community for people who've given up on church but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Well, today we begin a brand new series called The Third Person, which sort of begs the question, the third person of what? Or who is the third person? Uh, For Christians, the third person is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this series that we're beginning today is all about the Holy Spirit, God's presence to us in this world. Now, because this can be an unfamiliar concept to us, I thought we might start off with just a little pop quiz. Are you all ready for pop quiz? The kids are having to do EOGs. Uh, Seems only fair the parents should have to do something as well, too. So parents, here's your test. The kids are going to get these right away. Parents, a little math pop quiz for you. You ready? So here's our first question. Parents, what is one plus two? One plus two. Answer? Okay, see, you guys are smart. You got, all right, now, next one, a little bit tougher. What is the square root of nine? Parents, do you all remember this, square root of nine? Answer is? Three. three. Okay, good, good. This one's a little bit tougher. Y'all are getting a little cocky on me. Here we go. What is the square root of 2n plus 6 divided by 2 minus n times 3? Three. See, y'all are really smart. That's uh, it's just amazing. How, okay, the toughest one. This one's multiple choice. You ready? This is the toughest one yet. Ready? What is Father plus Son plus Holy Spirit? Is it, is it A, one, B, three, C, all the above, or D, math is hard, is this going to be on the test? (laughs) You'll have to listen to find out. That's what today's sermon is all about. You know, when it comes to this idea of the Trinity, uh, some of us grew up in churches hearing people talk about this often, didn't we? This idea that God is both three and one, that somehow he is both. And yet, for those of us who even have grown up in the church, this can be kind of a hard concept to get our minds around, right? Even whether we grew up with dinosaur math or common core math, whichever kind of math you've got, this can be really hard to understand, the Trinity. And so today, I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking this concept because because for us, the third person finds his identity as part of this Trinity. In fact, uh, most People believe in some kind of deity, don't they? Most people believe in some kind of God. Uh, Jews and Muslims, they believe in uh, monotheism. They believe that there is one God. Uh, Hindus, Buddhists, most tribal religions and pagan religions, they are polytheists. They believe in multiple gods. And yet the Christians stand somewhere in this kind of peculiar, mysterious middle. What is it the Christians really believe about God? Well, it's interesting, the Jews, who were some of the first followers of Jesus, uh, were monotheists, right? They believed in the one true God. And then along came Jesus, and something began to shift for them. Jesus, they they recognized in Jesus, in his miracles, and in his teaching, and in his, his resurrection, they recognized that there was something more than human to him. There was something of God. And after Jesus rose from the dead, his followers began praying to him. They began singing songs to him. They began worshiping him because they recognized that in Jesus, God had become human. But what was puzzling to his followers is that Jesus, even though he was God, still seemed to pray to the Father, someone who was distinct from him, someone who was different. 
And so struggling how to make sense of this relationship if they were God, but yet they were father and son. Then Jesus took it a step further and he told his followers, listen, someday I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, my helper, to come and live in your hearts. Father, son, and spirit. can be kind of hard to understand, right? Well, it's interesting, over the decades, many people have come up with some different analogies to try and explain this concept of the Trinity. Maybe some of you have heard these before. Some people like to compare the Trinity to H2O. Kids, what what is H2O? Water. See, H2O. H2O can be liquid. It can be a liquid water. It can be a gas. It can be a vapor. It can also be a solid, which is ice, right? So in some ways, that, that makes sense. Others have compared the Trinity to an egg, that God is both shell white and yolk, kind of begs the question, which comes for, never mind. Uh, so uh, that kind of works. Another, others have compared it to the roles that we might have in our life. A person might have one role at work. They might be an employee. They might have another role at the gym, like being someone's friend. They might have another role at home, being a parent or a spouse. But the problem with that is it seems to imply that you are one person in one setting and a different person in a different setting. And that doesn't seem to work for God. It's God's only sometimes father Only sometimes son, only sometimes spirit. It seems that he is always father, son, and spirit simultaneously, which has led theologians to this crazy diagram. Maybe you've grown up with this, which I still am trying to make sense of. And this theological statement to summarize it all, that God is one substance, three persons. Does that clear it up for you? The truth is, the truth is, that whatever analogy we use to try to explain the Trinity, it is always going to come up one step short because there's something about the Trinity that is mysterious. There's something about the Trinity that refuses to be reduced to mathematical equations. And that's what I want to try and show you today. Because I actually believe the best way to understand the Trinity is not to explain it by analogy, but to see the Trinity in action. And that's actually what we see in Matthew's gospel in chapter 3. It's the Trinity in action. Let me read it to you. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. You'll remember Jesus had been out and John the Baptist was in the Jordan baptizing people. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Here comes the Trinity. Watch this. Oops, go back one for me. Do we have the one that's not blacked out, C's? Let me read this to you. We're, we're, uh, we're jumping ahead just a bit there. Then John consented, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness." This is one of those puzzling scenes in the Bible that when you come to it to read, you're kind of like, what, what's actually going on here, right? It's so brief. You, you might just read past it and move on to the next story. But there's actually a very profound divine act 
a divine dance being played out right before our eyes. And what I want to show you today is that I believe there are two invitations that we see in the midst of these few verses. And the first invitation is this. It's the invitation to join what the ancient Christians called the divine circle. Or some have referred to as the divine dance, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, uh, we can go back and we see the three in action there. Let's go back to the one. uh, There's the one. Jesus, the Spirit, the voice from heaven, that's the Father. The Son again, Jesus, and the Spirit. All in circle, all dancing together. What is happening here? Well, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you've been on the outside of a group and then suddenly invited in to join the circle? Maybe at your office, or maybe at your school, or on the ball field. But I remember a profound time for me was in middle school. I had just moved to a new town, and I knew no one. And I had to start at this middle school all alone. And I walked in day one, and of course, class was a little bit scary that day. But then the real scary time came at the lunch hour. Y'all remember middle school lunch? it's a little bit of a challenge. So I stood in line and I got that neon yellow plastic tray and I walked through the line. I got my two chocolate milks and then I got my tater tots and then I got my mystery meat. Did y'all have mystery meat at your... eh? We used to call it chicken fried hockey puck. It was like, you're not sure if it was beef or pork or chicken or a little bit all the above. So I got my tray and I remember turning around and seeing this vastest room and I didn't know where to sit, right? And because I was new and I didn't know anyone... I actually ended up sitting alone at the cafeteria lunch table that day. Came back the second day, hoping things would be different. Got my tray of fried food again, two chocolate milks, sat down all alone, and I repeated this day after day after day for two weeks. But then at the start of that third week, something suddenly happened. I was coming out of that line. I had my tray. Well, you got it. I had my tray of fried food, and I was turning, and then I heard a voice right over my shoulder, and it was Drew Spiker. And Drew said, hey, Aaron, we've got room at our table. Why don't you come sit with us? And in that moment, my life changed. In that moment, I went from being on the outside to suddenly included in this circle of relationship. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Now, I'm not saying Jesus is sitting at the middle school lunch table, but I think something similar is happening in this verse. You'll remember the Bible teaches that Jesus left his position in heaven with the Father. He emptied himself. He came to earth, humbling himself, taking on the form of a human. He grew in wisdom and stature until this day when he comes to the Jordan. He's standing at the river. John the Baptist baptized him. And then suddenly Matthew says, it's like heaven opened. Now, I have no idea what that means or what that looks like. But can you imagine? Heaven opens and the Holy Spirit comes down and rests on Jesus, confirming him, saying, Jesus, we've got room at our table. Why don't you come sit with us? And then there's this voice, the voice of the Father from heaven. And and the words of this are so profound to me. I don't want us to miss this. Do you remember what he says? He says, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Or literally, in him I take delight. You see, the picture that we get here is that Jesus is invited by the Spirit and by the Father back into the divine circle, back into a relationship of love. Love, I believe, is actually the picture that the Scriptures give us of the Trinity. It's a relationship of love that best describes the relationship of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Think about it this way. To, to be in a loving relationship requires three things, right? It, it requires the subject, the person who's going to do the loving. It requires the object, the person who's going to receive the love. And it requires the action, the love itself. If you're missing any one of the three, you're, you're, you don't have love, right? Imagine trying to give yourself or your love away if there's no one there to give it to. That's the picture that we have of the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son in the divine circle in a relationship of love. In fact, the 18th century theologian, Jonathan Edwards, describes it this way. Look at what he says. The very essence of God's reality is the Trinitarian love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Another one of Jesus' followers, the Apostle John, describes it this way in his letter. He says, God is love. Now, if God and the Son and the Spirit all enjoyed this beautiful, divine relationship of love for eternity and everything's perfect and they've got great tater tots and no mystery meat, why would he bother creating this world? Why would he go through the hassle of creating you and me? Well, it's here that Jonathan Edwards actually takes us a step forward. Look what he says next. The only possible reason for such a being, that's God, to create the universe was to extend that love to other imperfect beings like you and me. The reason God created the entire universe was so that he could make room at his table for you and for me to join the divine circle. That's it. God's one motivation John says, is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's the first invitation. Jesus is invited to, into this divine circle and just like Jesus, you and me, we are invited into that circle of love. And that's what baptisms are all about. That's what we're gonna celebrate today. But there's a second invitation that I don't want you to miss, and this has to do with our series. The second invitation is the invitation to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is one of those things, again, we can just breeze right past, but did you catch it at the end of our passage? Look at the last sentence from the verses we read today. John says this, and then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You see, the Trinity is not just a relationship of love. The Trinity is also a relationship of trust. And just as Jesus is given the Spirit to lead him in his earthly ministry, so we are given the Spirit for God's presence in our life too. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And some of the stuff that Jesus says about the Spirit is mind-boggling. Right? He says this, he says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be with them. How? By the Holy Spirit. He says that uh, for those who will receive my word, the Father and I will come and make our home in their hearts. Wow, isn't that profound? Jesus says, I will send you my spirit to be a comfort, to be a helper, to lead you into all truth. And so the question maybe for those of us today who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, is have we made room for the Spirit's voice in our life? How would your life look different if the Spirit were to lead you, 
lead you in its healing, in his power, in his guidance, in his comfort. What if, what if Jesus' promise really is true that God wants to come and live in your hearts through his Holy Spirit? Well, I'm going to answer that question next week because that's what our whole series is about. And I hope that that is just a little bit of a teaser to get you to come back. It is going to be awesome. We have never done a series quite like this at Westlake. You will not want to miss it. But I want to spend a moment just praying today. And I want to ask you this question. Have you accepted that invitation to come and be a part of God's divine circle of love? Have you said yes to Jesus' invitation? The Christian life is not meant to be a life lived on its own, but a life lived in the company of God through his Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is say yes to that invitation. And whether you have made a decision to follow Jesus in the past or you are considering doing that today, I want to pray for all of us before we head into our baptisms in our service. Would you bow your heads and pray with me?